This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. I wanted to use that voice because, well, it just sounds good. I'm here with my bestest buddy, Matthew. I'm staring at you, Kyle Betts. <laughs> you didn't really know what to say on that one, did you? <laughs> you figure out you're just staring at me. You basically were like, "Where's he going with this?" Uh, that's exactly what I was thinking. But uh, but yeah, man, I'm I'm glad to be back on the show. We have another week to kind of digest the NFL draft a little bit. And um, my only takeaway is that AJ Brown is a Philadelphia Eagle, and I'm still extremely happy about it. Wasn't this your takeaway a week ago? Yeah, we're still we're riding high, baby, riding high. <laughs> Never moved off that take, and, and and I don't blame you. It's exciting. A week after the draft, we talked about our reactions last week, but a week after the draft, a lot of people have been doing rookie drafts, kind of figuring out where players are going. It's for best ball. I know I've got to look at some ADP this morning and just finding where I can get certain running backs is kind of a delight. So we're going to be talking about best ball all in June, and July. I'm really excited for us to get into the strategy part of it. I think a lot of people, best ball can be intimidating if you're someone that hasn't really played it. Uh, but this is a great bridge for redraft and dynasty and more importantly for DFS and what this show's all about. So I'm excited. But speaking of rookies, after the NFL draft, I want to quickly check in about the rookie of the year market. You and I will do an entire show on awards coming up in a month or so. But where are you at in terms of the odds and people that stand out? So just for those at home, Kenny Pickett is the favorite on DraftKings Sportsbook at plus 500. Drake London and Traylon Burks are 750. Christian Watson is 800. Brees Hall, 900. And then uh, some other guys are a little bit more uh, over the top. It seems like you like one that's more of a long shot. Yeah, in these markets, I'm just trying to find value mostly. I mean, the, the easiest answer for anyone to log in and be like, oh, Kenny Pickett was the only first-round quarterback selected in the NFL draft. He has the easiest path to actually play a full season compared to other guys like, you know, uh, Malik Willis or Matt Corral. 
So you would say, okay, Kenny Pickett's the best bet. Well, yeah, but he's also the shortest odds. So in these markets, I'm always just trying to find the long shot values that I think should be higher than they actually are because you're just putting a, a, a little bit on this to hopefully win a lot. That's why these markets are so fun. But before we talk about the players that we both like, I went back and looked at the trends of rookie of the year on the offensive side of the football going back to 2010. That is a sample size of 12 years in that uh, time frame. Six quarterbacks, four running backs, just two wide receivers. Obviously, one of those wide receivers was the best rookie season we've ever seen from Jamar Chase just this last year. 10 out of the 12 winners played at least 15 games. And the average team's uh, wins for the the team that they're on, the NFL win total, was 7.92. Just four teams that these players played on had double-digit wins. So when we talk about MVP markets, we're immediately eliminating bad teams and players on those teams. In the rookie of the year market, that doesn't seem to matter quite as much. So even though there's guys on here playing for maybe not the best teams, I think there's still value on them. So long-winded way of saying, don't be afraid to get off the board. Now, with all that said, did you have something you wanted to say, Kyle? I'm impressed. You are running numbers. Are you a spreadsheet guy now? Like, Have you taken over as as the main spreadsheet dude? I might... I may or may not have compiled a little spreadsheet with this information in it. I even looked at key stats associated with this, but uh, it didn't really have a, a lot of correlation. Wow. I did find You've that so games far. played matters a lot. So, yes, I am in the spreadsheets. Um, and my spreadsheet algorithm, which was run simulation after simulation after simulation. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what I like here, um, I think there's value on James Cook, the running back for the Buffalo Bills if you are going to place a wager on James Cook, do it on FanDuel. He's plus 1,600 over there, so you're getting better odds compared to DraftKings, where he's plus 1,500. But the rationale here is that we know running backs win this award a decent amount. And when you look at the competition to win the award amongst the other rookies, a lot of the wide receivers you know, are, are pretty juiced up. And it makes sense because they went early in the draft. But the reality is, like even when Justin Jefferson had that insane season, he didn't even win the award. It took the best rookie season from Jamar Chase to actually overthrow, overtake these quarterbacks. And it's a weak quarterback class. So I'm looking at the running backs here. And I think James Cook has a, a shot to just be in a good offense and catch a ton of footballs from Josh Allen. And if anything would happen to Devin Singletary, I mean, the path to touches is pretty obvious for James Cook. Yeah, one of the criteria that I looked at on this list is if it's a running back, can he get to double-digit touchdowns? Like that's kind of the line... You know, you see players in the past, Saquon won in 2018, Kamara in 17, Gurley 2015, your boy Eddie Lacy way back in 2013. Uh, so What a year. I, I like Brees Hall. I, obviously, I think that's kind of a chalkier pick than yours. Brees Hall at plus 900. The question is, that offense with the Jets, are they going to take a step forward? Can they? I think they can get to seven wins. I think it's certainly possible. But you're really telling yourself a story with this, and the board looks very different than we've seen in the past where there's usually three or four quarterbacks at the top. And, yeah, so I, I would just – I would say this is a market that I want to write some names down, but I'm going to wait because this isn't going to change a ton, in my opinion, if you're betting it right now. But we'll check back in a month later when uh, maybe people have cooled a little on their rookie their rookie love. Bets, Bets is getting a lot of love at the house. <laughs> <laughs> dog across the street i can just hear it faintly just barking enough to make my dog bark so i apologize yes he's going absolutely bananas right now <laughs> hey hey we're, we're a family-friendly show and uh everyone's invited including our dogs uh yeah if you want to follow us you can go on twitter at 
Kyle underscore Borg for myself or at the Fantasy PT. Um, and we have some really great content coming up. I mentioned before Best Ball, Summer of Best Ball. Our rankings for Best Ball, our Best Ball Primer, will be live June 1st. And we'll get to discuss that, discuss our stacking options, everything else. That's included in the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus. So if you want to get that, go to ultimatedraftkit.com. And it's included in the bundle with the DFS pass, with the Dynasty pass. You want to get the UDK Plus or else um, I don't know what you're doing with your life. So let's talk about the NFL and where we're going and what we think about the future. Checking in with the wise guys. You and I are pretty smart, right? I I mean, I'm not saying. I'm just saying you're probably right. I mean, I would consider us people that are wise. Our combined IQs, I was saying earlier, like it's probably like 180. I think that's good. I think that's good. Or maybe one of us is just really a bad test taker and just drags the other one down. I was I was an okay test taker. I was a good student. I was a really good test taker in school. Really wow. good test taker. Really good. Like as in oh, yeah. no anxiety. No, not at all. Wow. Well, I mean, maybe next time we take a test, you know, like you know, related to NFL, I'll cheat off your paper, see how it goes. But this specific subject right here, forecasting, forecast 101, I would say this is one of my specialties. Yes, you, I think, of the two of us, have a more nuanced way of talking about this. So I'm excited to hear you just uh, dominate on this topic today on the show. And I think our listeners, if they are <laughs> are tuned in, are going to learn a lot from you, Mr. Borgnoni. Yeah, I was a teacher, so I will take the, the teacher credit, the, the nuanced words, you know. Uh, but when we talk about forecasting, Betts is going to get to jump in here too, people. But I'm really passionate about this because... When it comes to forecasting, we are projecting something knowing that there's a bunch of things in front of us. So for the NFL, we're projecting for a season. You can project for an, a week. You can project over a course of you know a couple of weeks, whatever it is. But you, you pick whatever your time frame is. But you're projecting knowing that there are going to be obstacles in front of you and things are going to change, right? So right now, I mean, think about last year. The Ravens were a team where you knew what their depth chart was at running back, right? It was like J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards. When you got to the beginning of the season, you had no idea who the running back was. You had no idea how that was going to affect the rest of their team. And because of that, you had to build in your forecast for the Ravens that it wasn't going to only be great. And that division, I didn't see the Bengals getting better. I mean, there's just so many other pieces when you take that team and take that example. And so... There's obstacles in front of us when it comes to projecting. We're in May. Season's going to start in September. So let's talk about those obstacles. First is just our own bias. And why do you feel like that is the hardest thing for people in fantasy football to understand bets? I mean, if you log on Twitter, you know, your biases are confirmed over and over again, one way or the other, because someone out there will have the same take as you. And you'll be like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Drew Locke is going to be horrible this year, and it's impossible for you to then see DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett in a positive right. light for fantasy as one example. Or, you know, like speaking to my own downfalls in this sort of stuff, like two, three years ago, I was all in on Terry McLaurin is the next big thing. I need to go get him in every dynasty league. <laughs> and yeah, he's been fine, but like he hasn't been worth what I 
traded to get him on my dynasty roster. So, you know, it can go one way or the other. And yeah, being able to admit that you have a bias about a certain player, I think, uh, is crucial. And another example that I think our listeners will relate to a couple years ago or last year, I can't remember when this was, you know, for a while I was, I was pretty vocal that I wasn't a huge Leonard Fournette fan when he got cut from the Jaguars and then, you know, playing him in DFS, I was just like, man, I can't do it anymore. And now I love Leonard Fournette. So (laughs) the pendulum has swung. And I think you really do have to be able to admit you have these biases for sure. Yeah. I think the hardest part is you're around yourself all the time. This is more of like an existential thought, but you're around yourself so much that you get used to your thoughts. You get used to, you know, the ways that you do things. And when you get something right, like I'll give an example. Michael Pittman Jr. was a player that we both liked, but I pounded the table last year saying in best ball, I, I, I like this player a lot. It can be very easy to then take something that I would say was a victory for the pod and then apply that same thing because I got something right to something else. So I'm biased because I got this one thing right or one thing kind of right, whatever it is. Um, but also the biggest obstacle I think is that there's very little information to truly go off of in terms of what we know happens like in an NFL locker room. And I say that as somebody, this is our job. This is something that we look at day in, day out. You know, like we're logged on. We're looking at Twitter, whatever it is. We're, we're, we're getting the reports. But there's so much more going on. Like, for instance, the 49ers are so veiled in how they talk about their players. Like with Debo, with Jimmy Garoppolo. There's so much that we just don't know that's happening. And so it's good to admit that. And I don't know if that sounds like we're not the smartest people in the world. But I, I can admit that I don't have all the information. You have to. You have to be able to say that and you have to be able to adjust in your best ball drafts, in your dynasty leagues, in DFS. And, you know, I think being able to admit that you don't know what's going to happen is one of the best strengths of a lot of the best DFS players in the world because you can use the market, you can use roster percentages to kind of dictate like this is what other people think or this is how confident they are. Like, what if that doesn't happen? And we see GPP winners come out on top being able to fade that narrative all the time. So yes, especially in a sport like NFL, where there's just so much variance, being able to admit that is is massive. Yeah, and we're, we're juggling so many factors here. It's not just, I like this player, I like this team. Like, you're dealing with, what do you think about their talent? What do you think about the competition there on, the, on that team? Their schedule, which we talk about a lot, and regression. So when we're forecasting, just realize this isn't just, I like this team. Yes, they make the playoffs. Or, I like this team you're dealing with so many different things. And and for me, I'm dealing with what does the sports book say? Because they know what they're talking about. So right now it's early May. And when you start to project out, you realize there's a lot of things that still have to happen, right? Like who I'm going to ask this question. Who is the Pittsburgh Steelers starting quarterback in week one? Not a clue. If you were to put, a guess right now you don't have to like say like this 100 percent, but like if you were to guess what would you guess i would say it's more likely that trubisky starts the season i would agree and i i think that going into it he's probably if we were to put odds on it like you know 70 percent. like i would put it on mitchell trubisky maybe as the season gets closer it's like ah maybe like 60 percent. you're gonna get those hype pieces can he pick it looks great his hands have grown there actually is a wager that you can place on them on FanDuel right now. If you wanted this, the sportsbooks are telling us it's minus 148 for Trubisky to take the first snap in week one. Kenny Pickett at plus 112. Your boy, Mason Rudolph, 25 to 1. 
Minus 148, I'd have to do the math, but I think it's above 60%. So, yeah, I I would... My point is basically saying that as the offseason goes, as you get to preseason, as you get all these snaps, you get to see him working out in shorts. Can he pick it in shorts? You're going to maybe change your opinion. And that's okay. It's okay to be able to believe something in May and change your opinion. But being dogmatic and not being open to that change is probably the hardest thing. So realize we have a bunch of time frames here in front of us. And the last thing I'll just say, I mentioned it with the Ravens. We have injuries. We have holdouts. You know, ADP is going to change in best ball. And the lines change. So we might check in on that exact bet about Pittsburgh Steelers, who takes the first snap, and it changes a month from now. Who knows? So those are all really, really important things. But let's dive into some team-specific ideas. So it's one thing to talk about forecasting and, and everything else. Let's talk about some teams. We're often quick to make up our minds and too slow to change them. So was there a team in 2021 that you just had to change your opinion on. Yeah, one team that I just couldn't wrap my head around at all last year was the 49ers. And it's because I think a lot of that spilled over from some of the offseason takes, truthfully. I mean, the the Trey Lance stuff was a disaster in best ball, obviously. <laughs> Everyone fell in that trap. The Trey Sermon stuff was a train wreck. He plays you know, football? And then, allegedly. <laughs> that's, what, that's what they're saying out there. Um, watch him come out and just randomly be like a top, 20 back this year i would not be surprised at all from our boy kyle shanahan but you know that team like and i think it's because we decided or at least personally i thought in my mind i was like there's no way it's jimmy g this year like they just went up and got trey lance he's going to be the starter and so every week that went by i was like how can this be happening and i ne- I didn't come around to it enough i was also pretty slow to come around to debo i thought that if there was one wide receiver i wanted i thought it was iuk you know the injury concerns were real with debo he had never been that type of producer before in his career. Um, Ayuk was the new hotness. And so I, I missed out on a lot of really good Debo weeks, not only in best ball, but in DFS. And so, yeah, the 49ers for me were a team that I was definitely too slow to come around on last season. And I even felt that way going into the playoffs. Like they they barely made it in the playoffs over the Saints, if you remember. Made it the last, very last week of the season. And then I wrote them off right away at the very beginning of the playoffs. Like, oh, this team can't go very far. Well, they almost made it to the Super Bowl. Like, they were legitimately, like, good all the way through, and they got good at the right time, and Jimmy G was part of that. So, yeah, it it, it can occur week to week, but then over the course of a season, you start to take a step back. You're like, oh, my gosh, the 49ers, of course. Like, Kyle Shanahan knows how to get it done. They have a pretty good defense. Like, so... I would say the Titans were that team for me that I, before the season, made up my mind that they were going to regress. Ryan Tannehill's efficiency wasn't going to stay. The crazy part was, is Ryan Tannehill had a pretty, like, awful statistical season in terms of, like, usage. Like, you you could use him twice last year in fantasy football, and one of those was the very last week of the season. Derrick Henry gets hurt. A.J. Brown's hurt. Julio Jones was basically nothing. And yet this team still was the number one seed in the AFC. So I was too slow because I built in my narrative of regression and I built in my narrative of Ryan Tannehill. And maybe some of that was true, but it doesn't really matter because the end result was different. So be open to the fact that you could be wrong. Be open to the fact that you could be partially right and that still could be wrong as well. I think we like to take victory laps. Like I I could have said, look, I I knew Ryan Tannehill was going to be bad. And yet it didn't really matter in terms of our forecasting. And so you and I took a big L on the Titans last year. Yeah, we sure did. <laughs> and maybe we, we were money. a year too early. 
<laughs> it seems like things are falling apart a little bit, you know, after the the Julio trade didn't go well and now AJ Brown isn't on the roster and there's quotes from Ryan Tannehill. Maybe we were just a year early on that, Kyle. That's what we need to just do with our takes. Oh, I I I really meant 2022 and just make sure we give no time frames for anything. I'm in. Let's do it. We'll always be right. Poor Julio. When you I mean, you were messaging today about the injury report. And you're like, well, should I include Julio on this? And I was just so sad. Like, is 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 he done? Is he is he going to get a contract? Oh, I think we got a contract. What he'll do with it? Maybe he'll I don't get, know, dude. Maybe he'll get that like uh, one day contract with the Falcons and retire. <laughs> that would be better than to see him on some dumb team playing his like very last year, like when Jerry Rice was like a Seahawk and all that. You know, at the yeah. very end of his career, I, we don't want that, right? No, no, we don't want that. We want to remember Julio for the, you know, 203 games. Gosh, he's awesome. Um, All right, one more thought, and then we'll get into specifically projecting teams at a team level and their schedule. But often we make really hard-line dogmatic statements. So this is kind of like what Twitter is. Like, this is exactly the thought I have right after the NFL draft. And the problem is your player takes, our analysis, it's... It, there's so much more to it that we don't give room for nuance and room that maybe we could be wrong. A lot of times people have these ideas where they would say, I'm using this one piece of analysis to filter all of my analysis. Like th- this is one thing. So maybe you're a film person and you're like this, this, for me, I like this. It's my personality. And this is how I analyze players. This player is good because of his film. He's bad because of his film. You may use analytics Regardless of what it is, this is about us taking a bunch of different perspectives when we're forecasting. So I love film, and I used to do this a lot more, where I would analyze teams and I would you know, chart them and everything else. But I also like analytics. I like the spreadsheets. So you can combine. You don't have to pick. Um, it's also okay to admit your, your weakness. So like, I like spreadsheets. I do have no idea how to make a crazy mathematical model the way that one of our writers, Matt DeSorbo, can basically, you know, let me simulate this a billion times. Like, I can't do that. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's about 20 steps above what we can comprehend. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Me and DeSorbo are going to be putting out, looking at, like, a, you know, our wide receivers really better in best ball compared to redraft. And I, I messaged him about it. I was like, I need help, buddy. You're way smarter than me. So, yeah, man, that's that's one thing that I don't think I'll ever have my head wrapped around. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And think about this. Just in life in general, it's okay to admit that you don't know something. And it's okay in a sport that is a fake sport that we all play, fantasy football, to be able to admit that you don't have all the information in front of you. This is kind of a, about us solving problems. So one of my favorite parts of fantasy football is that no one ever started off as their first job doing fantasy football. Like Matthew Barry, like the, the biggest name in fantasy football, did not start off in fantasy football. Like he was a writer. And you get to basically take whatever perspectives and whatever expertise you may have and apply that to the field. So for bets, he actually understands injuries better than I ever will. And he can apply that in a certain way where I'm a teacher and I, I used to be a high school teacher. So a lot of the way that I explain things and break things down is through language. So my point is, is that when you're forecasting, you need to aggregate a lot of different perspectives or you end up being really dogmatic about certain statements. So I'll give one. I used to always say this, this team, let's, you know, let's call it uh, the Texans. 
bad team, right? This team has nowhere to go but up or down. Or The problem with a statement like that about that team or about a player like, oh, this player had the worst season of the career, there's nowhere to go but up, is that there's also another scenario. They could actually just stay the same or they could get even worse. Like It's totally possible. Uh, we saw that with the Browns, with Hugh Jackson. Like They had their worst season. They won one game and what was zero wins the next year? So <laughs> I don't know, man. It's like Hugh Jackson, things, what a guy. Things can get worse. Things can stay the same. So instead of making a dogmatic statement that just says, oh, it can only get better from here, it can only get worse, um, realize there's more nuance. So do you have a statement like that? Yeah, I think kind of along the same lines was what I was thinking with this uh, segment is, you know, I would always kind of say, and this is more kind of based off results. It's like, well, if I had just done this, or if I just started this player this week, or if I just rostered this guy in DFS instead of that guy, yeah, everyone has hindsight 2020, right? Like that doesn't really help. So I think avoiding those statements and trying to go back to what led you to make the decision you did, whether it's from a betting perspective or from a DFS or, you know, redraft start sit or whatever it is. Um, I think that process over results sort of cliche sometimes is, is very true. And I think this statement, you know, if I had just done this really does speak to that results based stuff doesn't always work out. So uh, going back to process, I think is, is big. Yeah. I, I, we've done a show before on the biggest DFS mistakes that people make and a lot of times you look back at your lineup and you would say something like, oh, if I had just swapped out this player, it's like you're playing against thousands of other people that are doing the same exact thing. So to narrow it down to just yourself, if I, if only I had done this, you have to also apply that to everybody else in the field. Like, well, what if this person had also done that? That might have changed it as well. So, yeah, it's it's important to be able to take a step back and, uh, and not confirm everything. Because what you end up doing is basically telling yourself, I'm really good at this. Like that, that that's the takeaway from like, oh, I was really good at this, but you know, this one thing was kind of wrong. It's like, Hey, there's more to the story. There's more to a weekend slate. And, uh, it's just important to be able to reflect that way. But before we get into projecting a team and team level stuff, let's take a break. This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Thank you, Mike, for that awesome Guitar solo. That was hot. So how do we project teams? We've kind of talked about it from a 10,000-foot level of, you know, here's the general thoughts. We need to evaluate teams on a couple things. We need to evaluate, you know, just the general makeup of the team, their schedule, the players on that team, and then probably most importantly in terms of what we're talking about forecasting and betting is what does the market say? So on a team level, we're talking about their strength of schedule, real games on the schedule, 
And strength of schedule can kind of be, I don't know, it's loose. It's a loose term, right? Because everyone has different ideas of the way that they do it. Warren Sharp, I would say, has the best one out there if you want to go and look for that. But let's talk about a team level and their how their schedule works out. Let's talk about the Dolphins because I feel like the Dolphins are a team that have a lot of excitement this offseason. And I feel like people are reacting in a way where it's like they're kind of the new hotness. Yeah, I mean, they were a team that I was on last year, and that was kind of a train wreck. Uh, but with the addition of Tyreek Hill, uh, people are very excited about that. Jalen Waddell in year two. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, excitement, like you said, about the Dolphins in the sports betting market. However, it's pretty lukewarm. I mean, their win total right now is sitting at about nine, eight and a half, depending on which book you look at. Um, so even though, yeah, they just got one of the most exciting playmakers in fantasy in Tyree Kill, like for real life football purposes, the sports books are telling us the path may not be that easy for the Dolphins this year. Yeah, and so we we would take that energy that people have for the Dolphins, right? Like, okay, well, this is an exciting team. Got a new coach. You know, they got uh, Teron Armstead. They got a, you know, left tackle. Like, there's a lot of excitement. There's reason to be. But when we match it up and we need to forecast based on their schedule, you realize it's pretty tough. They finished third in the division last year. But check out some of these third-place games. Like, they're playing on the road because they're a third-place team. The Chargers on the road the 49ers on the road. I mean, they they already have a tough road in the AFC. Like, I think we would both say the Bills are the class of that division. And I would put the Patriots either right there with Miami or maybe a step ahead. And then they have some other really tough draws. Like, they're going to have to play the Packers. um, They're going to have to play the Steelers. And they're going to have to play our Ravens. So I, I just think that when I look at the schedule, Vegas took the excitement and they're probably hoping people will bet on the the Dolphins because... I think fans want to, but in my schedule adjusted uh, projections, I had them in eight and a half wins and I did that before the books put out theirs. And so I was, I was happy the fact that like, okay, I look at this team. I like Tyreek. This is fun. But in terms of their actual schedule, eight and a half feels right. What are you leaning on their win total? Yeah. I mean, whenever like a projection comes down to matching what a book says, to me, it's it's either no play or an automatic under because, you know, in those situations, more things have to go right for the over to hit than have to go right for the under to, to hit. There's multiple outs there, you know, an injury to a quarterback, a coach getting fired midseason, um, you know, you name it, those sort of things. So, yeah, I think based off of what we've already talked about with the schedule being difficult, drawing, you know, the uh, AFC um, North difficult matchups for sure i mean right the bills twice the patriots twice heck even the jets are better than they were last year we think right so like yeah i don't think it's an automatic over for me i think this is either right now when i look at it in may either a a no bet or if you have to make me pick i would go under yep that's that's what i would do too and so on dk it's at nine wins um i I don't mind that like you get a push if you need to but i would i would take the under right now with the dolphins we will do Entire shows on the AFC, another one on the NFC. So we're going to go more in depth with those teams, but that's just kind of a preview of how we've looked at certain teams. We also have to look at play calling tendencies for teams. It's not just their schedule, but the way they actually call their plays. And this is a team that you and I have talked about a lot, the Ravens. But I, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't really know how to forecast them from like a numbers projections based. We're doing our projections right now for the ultimate draft kit. And the Ravens, you know, we're a team that we would just say, hey, they want to run the ball. That's all they want to do. 
That's all they could do. And in 2019 and 2020, they were 32nd in pass rate. Last year, they had the ninth most passes. And is that just because the running backs were hurt? I don't know. But that's a team that's like, if you would have looked at them, you'd have just said, okay, they're going to be bottom five to leave in league in pass rate. And they jumped this past year. So we just have to be open to the fact that play calling tendencies can change. They're not set in stone. But do you expect the Ravens to kind of go back to that more, you know, super run heavy? Yeah, I think when you talk about the Ravens specifically, I think the writing was on the wall last year that we should have expected that pass rate to come up a little bit. I know we joked about this saying like it had nowhere to go but up because they were dead last <laughs> in the league, but they actually had nowhere to go but up or stay the That's same. That's true. That's true. So, you know, for, for them, like they drafted a wide receiver in round one with Rashad Bateman um, and they had made other moves in free agency too to kind of signal like, you know, maybe they don't go from 32nd to top 10. I don't think anyone saw that coming, but can they go from 32nd to 20th in the league? Yeah, totally. That was in the range of outcomes. And, and yeah, I think you know, looking at coaching tendencies and looking at kind of what happens historically, you can kind of zoom in on what is probably most likely to happen with a high level of competence. And exactly with the Ravens, like I just said, no one was going to come out and project them to go top five in pass attempts. But, you know, just saying like, well, in 2020, they were 32nd and in 2021, they were 22nd. So like we should just project now moving forward. That's what they're always going to be. I think thinking that way is probably unrealistic and truthfully probably wrong. Yeah, I think with the Ravens, I think it's clear, like, shipping out Hollywood is a tell, like, okay, like, they're drafting even more a center committed. Too. Yeah, drafting a center. Like, they drafted two more tight ends, um, actually pretty exciting tight ends, Charlie Collaire and um, Isaiah Likely. Like, so that they're basically going to run two tight ends all the time, but we've seen them do that. Uh, who is their other wide receiver, though? Like, who else on that team is going to catch passes other than Rashad Bateman? It's fun. It's a fun conversation for best ball because all these guys I was actually looking today are pretty much like 18th round or undrafted. You've got like Devin Duvernay. Devin Duvernay is an exciting, I think, slot receiver. I think he's a little underrated personally. Tylen Wallace had a pretty good production profile out of college, but had some injury issues behind those two. Like, I don't know, man. James Prochet. James Prochet. Like, yeah, that's it. That's all I can think of. I, I, I could see them adding a veteran just because Julio Jones. they need... I, I could see it. Maybe. I could see it. I think it would be... Um, he'd look cool in a Ravens uniform. He would. I, I respect that. I mean, there are Ravens, right? So we're not biased towards them. No, not at all. Uh, so let's move from a team level to a player level. And when you're looking at certain players, obviously you get to work with so many different factors. You mentioned like production profile. I would say the past is our best window for players. Like we always talk about how like past success is the best predictor for future success. The problem about the past and just looking at it as the kind of wind of the future is that it's kind of limited. The past is descriptive. It's telling us this player did that. Julio Jones did this in his past and man, it was amazing. Like one of the top, I could say top 10 best receivers of all time that felt safer than going top five, but top 10, I feel good about that. Uh, but it's not prescriptive of what Julio will be and was with the Titans this past year. You couldn't bank on that. And we do that a lot with certain players. We write them off because of their past. So was there any players last year or teams in general that you wrote off because, hey, I saw what they did in the past and it was just hard for me to see and forecast something different? 
Yeah, I mean, for fantasy, like everyone else, I was excited about Jalen Hurts, but truthfully, taking my fan hat off for a second, I was pretty worried about the Eagles last year, and I know you took the under on their win total. Um, just so I could, you know, consciously sleep at night and watch these games, I did not bet it. But I understood where you were coming from, and I was equally worried. I mean, you have a first-time head coach last year, Nick Sirianni. You had Jalen Hurts, who everyone was saying, like, uh, he's not the long-term answer. Like, yeah, we love him for fantasy, but in real life, giant question marks. The wide receiver room, you know, was a mess behind Devonta Smith, who was a rookie. So there was just so many things that, and oh, by the way, they just had this horrible Carson Wentz debacle over the last two, three years. So for me, I was like, look at where this team was when they won the Super Bowl. Look at where they are now. Like there are so limited paths to success for Philly that I was pretty off of them in the betting markets. And obviously as a fan, I was excited that they made the playoffs, but um, yeah, they were just a team that I was like, there's, there's no way with what they have right now that they can even have success this year. I felt the same way. If you had told me they made the playoffs, I would have been completely shocked with a first-year head coach and a quarterback that, like you mentioned, good for fantasy, but different conversation in terms of leading an actual NFL team. So yeah, I took a big L on that one. They're, they're, I think it was six and a half, yep, and it I was. took the under, and it did not turn out that way, I will say. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it did not. <laughs> uh, let me give you a team that I think every everybody and their mama probably was way too low on last year. I just I just couldn't see the Bengals winning their own division, much less, you know, going through the playoffs and making the Super Bowl and, you know, could have easily won that game. Uh, Zach Taylor, his first couple years in the NFL, like he basically became a coach of like, well, that guy's out like that. That was a weird failed experiment. And now he's going to be like the talk of the town. People are going to love him. He's bought himself another three or four years at least based on that run. I just could not see that happen. Uh, There's just so many other things with the Bengals that they just didn't look like a playoff team. So, I also had very specific ideas of what Jamar Chase could do in his first year and Joe Burrow returning off an injury. Uh, He started slow. And I think that was something you brought up like, hey, injury wise, he's going to start slow. So I didn't want to draft him anywhere. And then at the end of the season, those two caught fire. So my priors, my priors were coming through all the way with the Bengals. And it's coming through on a team like the Seahawks this year. I look at the Seahawks, you know, you're removing the best quarterback in your franchise history and you're replacing with Drew Locke. Everybody is probably saying the same thing out loud on Twitter and internally. Like there's no way this guy is going to be the quarterback the entire year, but there is a scenario where Drew Locke is the quarterback and he's replacement level. Is there? I mean, anything's possible. Is it a high likelihood that he is replacement level quarterback? No, I would say probably unlikely, but it is possible and it is in the range of outcomes that he starts the entire season. You know, and that's the thing is like, especially when we're talking about like best ball mania, like no one's drafting Drew Locke. Yeah, it's probably not going to work, but what if it does? Like last year, no one was drafting Jimmy Garoppolo, but the dude started almost every game and stacks with Debo would have paid off handsomely. So, you know, it's it's low probability, but I think like treating it as if it's only going to go one way while I do agree it's likely to go negatively it it could turn out I mean there's possibility it's a small possibility but it's possible yeah we have to be able to understand there's a range of outcomes for every single player now everyone probably liked Cooper Cup and they said okay you know he's a good wide receiver too for your fantasy I don't think anybody was saying this guy's about to have the greatest wide receiver season of all time 
That may have not been in the range of outcomes, but it was for him. And take, for instance, last year, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts. They were drafted about the same spot, like tight end five for Andrews, tight end six for Pitts. If you were deciding between those two, there was a range of outcomes for both players, but Kyle Pitts as a rookie on the Atlanta Falcons, I would say, you know, we're looking backwards, but like tight end one was probably not his outcome his first year in the league. Mark Andrews did have that in his outcome, and he's had seasons in the past where he dominated. So those are the things that you just have to weigh when you're looking at players. What is the range here, and how could it go really well? How could it go really bad? How could it just stay the same? Like, what if this player is, this is who they are? Uh, you know, you're Robert Woods. Like, this is kind of what he is over and over again. And then the last thing that you do, you look at the teams, players, and then you look at the market. And the sports books give us an outside voice when we're looking at teams. So I like the Falcons. They're my team. The sports books are telling me they shouldn't be my team anymore. I should move on and not root for a team that has, uh, are they at five or did they go down to four and a half? They're probably at three at this point. Let's be real. Gosh, that would be. <laughs> They're at five. Okay, how how low would the Falcons' win total have to go for you to take the over? I'm tempted to say four and a half, but that would just be Max Payne, so I would probably say four. Okay, all right, yeah. I was polled the other day for, from some friends, like, "Hey, realistically, like, what's what's the win total going to be?" I was like, "I four four and thirteen, five and twelve is what you're looking at right now." That's my median outcome. Now, I think the Falcons could get to seven wins as their highest projected. Like if things broke right, they got lucky, uh, Mariota's replacement level. But yeah, you were talking about median outcome. There's also different markets to gauge. And I think you're really good at this, Bets. It's not just us saying, what is their win total? Is it over under? You need to be able to look at their divisional odds, their odds to make the playoffs, their odds for the conference, the Super Bowl, and kind of see how that fits together as a puzzle. So let's break this down. If we're going to take a team and just hammer this home, all right, on the win total podcast, we're not going to be able to spend as much time, but here, let's take the Indianapolis Colts and let's just hammer them out right now based on their schedule and everything else, uh, you know, how we feel. So first, before we get into that, let's just like name our priors. How do we feel about the Colts before we're looking at any numbers? How do you personally feel? Well, looking at the division, I like the Colts. For obvious reasons you know they got the texans they got the jaguars in there so you're like okay their only competition is really the titans well the titans just lost aj brown ryan Tannehill isn't happy you know yada yada so my prior is that i like the colts a lot i am hot and bothered for michael pittman jr this season in fantasy Woo! oh yeah buddy so i would say in general my priors that i'm very optimistic and specifically for fantasy i'm excited about michael pittman so I'll just name some of mine. I'm obviously a big Matt Ryan fan. I think he is a solid NFL quarterback at this point in his career. I'm not going to call him. He's good, not great, not better than good, but he's good and he can get them to the playoffs, I think. Right now they're the favorite to win the AFC South at plus 100. Tennessee is at plus 150 and Jaguars uh, and Texans are way far behind. They're minus 175 to make the playoffs. So I I would think this team is a playoff team. Based on my schedule projections, I had them at 10 wins. The sports book put them at nine and a half. So I think you and I both would say our gut reactions to this team is, oh, okay, I, I'm kind of high on the Colts. Um, Jonathan Taylor's for fantasy. We're going to be talking about him all the time. Um, 
he's the 101 kind of unquestioned right now in terms of math and in terms of, you know, range of outcomes. I think he's safe to be a top five running back. But repeating as the RB1, I would say is not as likely. I'd put it at 35%, maybe even lower than that, 20%. Um, You're just dealing with a lot more there. So we like the Colts. How then do you move forward knowing like our general first take is, I I like what this team's saying. Yeah, I think if you're saying that you expect them to do well, you ask yourself, how does it happen? So what I think we should do next is look at these, look at their opponents, look at the schedule. So they have a second place schedule that lands them the Steelers at home, the Vikings on the road, and the Patriots on the road, which truthfully, I could see them coming out of those games two and one, one and two. Um, It's not a lock that they would win those games. But then you say to yourself, okay, let's look at who else they play. Their division is arguably one of the worst in football. They Again, we talked about it already just a couple minutes ago. They're really only battling, we think, with the Titans. So if you project them to have some success against the AFC South, it's pretty easy to see how their floor could be like, you know, seven wins or something like that. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so a general rule of thumb, if there's a team that is near double-digit wins, you would say they're going to probably split in their division. So you get six games. I think we can say three and three is is kind of like a floor for a team like this. All right, I don't think we look at the schedule and say they automatically are going to beat the Texans both both games. Like That's, that's just not what's going to happen. Texans beat the Titans last year. So I would say three and three is a floor for them and what they're going to do in their division. Um, they do have some tougher games. Like they play the AFC West. So at home, they have the Chiefs and the Chargers. On the road, they have the Broncos and the Raiders. So I wouldn't say that those games are super easy. Um, and then they also get uh, the NFC East. So you look at those divisions, you look at those second place games, like you mentioned, and you also look at the past. So last year, the Colts should have been in the playoffs, right? And they lost that last week to the Jaguars. They were 9-8, and eight, and the win expectation was 10.6. So how do we feel about the Colts last year? Well, like, they they underachieved. Like, that's Carson Wentz. That's what he did. The year before was Phillip Rivers. They went 11-5, and five, and their win expectation was 10. And you would say, wow, that team, like, I don't, I don't remember that team being great. They actually pushed the Bills that year in the playoffs, but they were good enough to get in the playoffs, and I think they slightly overachieved. So this is a team that over the last couple of years – same kind of core nucleus uh, has been around a 10 win team. The biggest difference this year is that we now have the third, third year in a row with a different quarterback. So how do we then take that piece of information, arguably the most important player in, in football, the quarterback, and then insert that into what they've done in the past? Well, I think you have to look at it. You zoom in a little bit on what last year was, you know, what was Carson Wentz and is Matt Ryan going to be better the same or worse than Carson Wentz because that will tell you a lot about how the team performs around him and I think a lot of people would agree and the market would agree like Matt Ryan from a real life NFL perspective not fantasy and maybe even in fantasy too but real life is a better quarterback than Carson Wentz from a decision-making process less turnovers things like that so you know you you could easily say to yourself well this team was expected to win uh, what did you say it was 10.6 games last year and that was with Carson Wentz. So it's reasonable to expect yeah, probably around 10 wins with a guy like Matt Ryan, assuming he stays healthy. Yeah, I, th- I think 
they're they're a team I, I use them as an example because they're a sweet spot like 10 wins isn't crazy but they are di- slight division favorites and I think because they're expected to make the playoffs based on DK Sportsbook they're right on the line where you have to figure out are they in or they out do I want to go under or over so right now I'm at a place where I look at their range of outcomes and and I look at the markets so let me give you some of those other ones uh, they are plus 2200 to win the Super Bowl they're plus 1200 to win the AFC plus 100 for the AFC South and minus 175 tick playoffs based on those and based on you know what their uh, win total nine and a half it's minus 130 for the over I look at that and say this this is a 10 win team and it based on that information I would go with the AFC South number I don't think that's a bad call at all. And if you are going to take that bet, I, that's the one I like as opposed to the win total or the playoffs, because especially when you zoom out and you look at the AFC, you know, like in the NFC, nine wins might get you in the playoffs. In the AFC, I highly doubt that happens when you're talking about the AFC West division. I mean, the teams are just insane. They're loaded. So if the Colts are making the playoffs, it's probably because they're winning division and it's probably because they're winning 10 plus games. So yeah, I think you just take the best number at even money to win the, win the division. I think that's probably the best bet on the board. I agree. It's interesting how they won. So those teams, those Phillip rivers team and the Carson wins team, roughly the same in terms of win expectation rivers year, they were 10th in rush attempts. They were 20th in pass attempts, but rivers was actually pretty efficient. They finished 11th in passing yards last year. It was the Jonathan Taylor show. Like, please bail us out. We're going to run you and keep running you and please bail us out of this game. They had the fifth most rush attempts, second most rushing yards, but Wentz was not efficient at all. Like they were 27th in pass attempts. The way this team wanted to win was get with Jonathan Taylor. Hopefully our schedule is easy enough that we can just stay with it and stay in games and win. So this year I expect a little bit more efficiency than what we saw from Carson Wentz. I think the touchdown numbers from Jonathan Taylor should probably come down. Uh, from where they were but I think overall you're going to see a more functional offense it is tough because apart from Michael Pittman they drafted Alec Pierce in the second round but it's really hard to see who are the other pass catchers that are going to be viable for best ball they're going to be you know I I don't really know where else I'm going to go Zach Pascal's gone Uh, T.Y. Hilton's gone they have Ashton Doolin like there's just not really many other pieces there so from a best ball perspective that's what we do we take this team and then we break it down in our best ball primer. I, I'm kind of trying to figure out where the values are. It's tough. And honestly, that, that you're thinking about that or talking about it, like that's a concern for this team. Where it goes south is they have zero depth at wide receiver, which is one of the most important positions in football. So um, I think that's an interesting point to bring up. And it does make stacking them in best ball really difficult, especially because no one's going to be unique with Jonathan Taylor on the roster. He's going to be on every single roster in best ball media. Right. Uh, you know, obviously he's the 1.01. So yeah, it is tricky because outside of that, you're obviously going with with Michael Pittman. But what I love about this team is that if if you're saying that we think Matt Ryan's efficiency improves, then you might as well correlate it and say someone of that secondary pass catcher group comes with him. You get him in the 18th round, 17th round, something like that, and um, and hopefully it works. And obviously you take your shots and you take your L's where you where you do too. But yeah, they're an interesting team for best ball because, like you said, behind Pittman, I mean. They're throwing darts. Sounds like they need a wide receiver. It sounds like they need someone that's familiar with Matt Ryan that has some rapport with him. Ew. Maybe there's a wide receiver out there that he knows. I'm just saying. Just maybe. Just first reported 
right here the source uh i said it without saying it so when shefty tweets out per source he should be tagging you yes per this pod (laughs) and you can link link it to us yeah i think that's the way that i kind of want to leave this podcast is we went from how do we feel about this team what do we like about this team what does the market say about this team and then being able to dissect in a number of different ways and the best part about fantasy football is because there's so many different formats you can get exposure to certain teams in different markets or in different you know ways so i might not be saying I need to stack the Colts. Like I have to stack this offense, but I can look at it in terms of sports book and say, Hey, I love them to win the AFC South. So we'll be talking about DFS. Obviously we'll be talking about Jonathan Taylor, but I'm looking at this team from a number of different ways. And at the end of it, I can go, Hey, I, I see where actually the best place is to pounce on it. Um, with a division and maybe not specifically player specific. You did it with Michael Pittman and dynasty this past week. You said, I like this player. I like what they have in front of them. Uh, the team also came out and talked about that maybe Matt Ryan's around for almost three years. Like uh, their owner came out and said that they haven't worked out anything, but I think it makes sense. Like he, he's still, you know, still there. I think they had a pretty good draft. Uh, they're, they're a solid team. I wouldn't say they're a great team though. I agree. I think they are. They're a team that we're going to be like, yeah, that made sense this year. You know, they won 10 games. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, hopefully they win more. Michael Pittman gets like, 200 touchdowns 200 would be pretty nice <laughs> so we'll be able to break down all of those next week we'll be talking about afc win totals. so we'll mention the colts again briefly but we'll go team by team and kind of just say hey here's what i like here's the markets i like for this team and it will be a good primer after the draft to kind of give you the lay of the land of the afc then we'll do the nfc uh and at some point bets is uh is going to become a dad because your kids are coming soon the countdown is on man could be weeks who knows um yes it could be any week at this point so you might see me next week you might not you'll have to tune in to find out have a good weekend thank you for listening to another edition of the fantasy footballers dfs podcast Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday. I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.